Live from the Nasdaq market side overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Adami, Karen Feinerman, Brian Kelly, and Dan Nathan. Tonight on Fast, Robinhood routed. The stock plunging after hours on earnings. The company's call just getting underway. We'll break in with any fresh headlines. The move in Robinhood coming nearly a year to the day since it rocked the market by restricting trading on popular retail stocks. A year later, they are paying up. You'll hear from one 27-year-old investor who has just awarded nearly $30,000. The can't-miss interview straight ahead. And later, Opportunity Zones, two charts that look like screaming buys, according to one top technician. We'll bring you the names. We start off with the big tech report of the night. Apple shares popping on better-than-expected earnings now at the after-hours highs. CNBC's Julia Borston following the after-hours action. She also just spoke with Tim Cook. Julia, what's the latest? That's right, Melissa. Shares up nearly 5% after Apple reported a record quarter driven by iPhone strength. The company beat expectations for every single one of its divisions except for iPads. Those did face particular supply constraints. Overall, revenue grew a better than expected 11% to $123.9 billion. That's ahead of the $118.7 billion that analysts estimated. Earnings per share of $2.10 beat estimates of $1.89. I spoke to CEO Tim Cook. He told me that iPhone sales were strongest in the last two weeks of the quarter, though not a surprise. He said it does bode well for momentum. I also asked him about particular strength in China. He said, quote, we grew 21% in China, which we're very proud of. It was an all-time revenue record for us in the country. We had a very strong customer response to the iPhone 13 family. And in particular, we set a record number of upgraders in China. When I asked about inflationary pressures and plans to raise prices, Cook said, quote, we try to price our products for the value that we deliver, and we are seeing inflationary pressure. I think everyone's seeing inflationary pressure. There's no two ways about that. He did say that they believe that they expect supply chain constraints to be less in the March quarter than they were in the December quarter. So we'll be listening for more insight on the March quarter on the earnings call. That call did just get underway, Melissa. All right. Keep us posted, Julia. Thank you, Julia Borson. So the concerns going into the quarter, whether it be China, whether it be supply chain issues affecting how many iPhones it could deliver other other products, all of those concerns have been dashed so far, Guy. What do you make of this quarter? Unfounded, as they say. And that's a remarkable quarter. If you look at Greater China, it was up 21 percent year over year in terms of revenue. I mean, it was great. Operating margins better. Max, I mean, Max are still killing us. Say what you want. It's still a bit of a hardware company. So here's what I'll say. I'm wrong all the time, as you've come to learn over the last north of a decade. But this one, I think we got right in terms of levels. You know, we've been saying for a while that Apple should trade back to the prior all-time high made in September of last year of about 157. And if you go back a week or so ago, that's exactly what we did. So I think, one, you absolutely now have something to trade against on the downside, as we pointed out. And two, I think you're going to see sort of a a run back to that prior all-time high. I will say this. If you're looking for one potential negative, and this is a nitpick, so I'm sorry, it's that services revenue only comprised about 15.7% of overall revenue. Now, you can say that's because they had a huge revenue beat. I get it. But I think if you're looking for something to be negative about, that's trending in the wrong direction. Is that a concern of yours, Karen? And what are you looking for on this conference call? We've seen time and time again, and I'm not saying this time it's going to be the same. Apple goes higher on the back of results. Something said in the conference call, it reverses those uh, those gains. 
Right. I think, you know, they want to air to be conservative. Uh, but, I, you know, there was, as Guy said, a lot to really like about this quarter. I mean, so many things could have gone wrong that didn't go wrong. And the size of the beat, I thought, was pretty impressive. The margin's impressive. So the question now becomes, what is the right P.E. multiple? And then you get back to Guy's question, what is the mix of hardware and software? And is 20, I don't know, 7, 8, wherever it is, is that the right multiple in this environment? I don't know, but I do know that I want to stay long because I don't know if that multiple is a little bit high or a little bit low. And I think that the momentum that they have, I'm very happy with that. We'll see what they do with uh, capital allocation later in the year. They, you know, cash flow was very, very strong. So I think there's a lot to like. The story is as good as it's been. And I think that you know, the environment we're in is just as important right now as what Apple's earnings are. So I hope that they can uh, help stabilize this market somewhat, even though I don't think there's a lot of, you know, pure comps. Um, one thing I did notice that was interesting today, Louis Vuitton, giant earnings in the, in the luxury space. So people are spending on expensive things. Maybe that's part of what happened here. I like it. I'm staying long. And, you know, I don't know how it trades tomorrow. I feel like, it, you know, tomorrow's a lifetime from here with this market. But I'm staying long. I mean, the price of an iPhone pales in comparison to a wallet, even, as um, Brian Kelly well knows. <laughs> um, but forced to choose, BK, is, is Apple's valuation here, based on what you heard so far uh, on the quarter and, and on, on the future from Tim Cook, is the valuation too high or too low? So I, I, I'm not sure about the valuation, but the price is probably too low because the sentiment on the negative side is probably overdone. So to me, what this quarter said is, number one, demand is still there. And to Karen's point, you saw that in the Louis Vuitton numbers as well. Secondarily, if you can get the supply chain constraints out of the way, you can sell a lot of product. And that's what Apple showed me. So from a sentiment perspective, it says, hey, wait a second. You know, we know that Omicron sold the, slowed the economy, but there's still demand there. So internally, I've got good news. And then if I brought it out to the broader economy, it says to me, we have probably reached max recession fears. And this might be enough sentiment wise to start flipping the pendulum in the other way. Mm. Uh, this 5% gain after hours, by the way, is adding $125 billion in market cap to Apple. Dan Nathan, do we put the party hats on now? Did Apple just save the NASDAQ trade? Did it just save big tech? Did it just save the economy? If we want to extrapolate like BK is extrapolating. You know, Mel, it might have saved it for just a little bit here. And I think these guys make all great points. There's really nothing to kind of look at the fundamentals of that quarter. What we know was a very uh, challenging quarter for many companies that kind of, you know, transact or, or, or manufacture globally. And their, uh, you know, parts are coming from all over the place. So they did a great job. I will say that, you know, Western Digital, um, you know, is saying very different things right now on their call about supply chains. And we know that Apple is obviously, you know, first in line um, when it comes to supply chains in product and that sort of thing and they have the ability to squeeze their suppliers so listen it was a great quarter i mean in a difficult environment and you think about it just look at that chart and overlay it against the nasdaq 100 that it makes up 12 percent of that index of 100 stocks it was only down 10 percent 
from its recent all-time highs, while the NASDAQ 100 was down 17 or 18 percent at its lows this week. So I think investors were expecting a decent quarter and whatever they have to say about visibility right here. Um, so you tell me what, how the market shakes out. I don't think it can save the market, but that coupled with Microsoft, certainly, you know, if you're worried about the concentration in the major indices, then it should make you feel okay. But then your other question is 28, 29 times. This is a company that is not expected to grow a whole heck of a lot this year, low single digits in earnings and sales, trading about 28, 29 times. They bought back nearly $15 billion of their own stock. So they're kind of, you know, it's helping a little bit on the earnings front here. So I don't know. I mean, I don't really think it's that compelling at this moment because I think you probably have lower lows in the market. And the last thing I'll just say, and I'm shocked that BK didn't take that because I know what you were doing for them with that wallet. They have a billion and a half iOS you know, users, and Tim Cook has said that they might think about how to integrate crypto into some of the stuff that they're doing. So wallets, NFTs, I mean, you want to grow services, think about the revenues that like right. OpenSea is doing and that sort of thing. So that can be coming to a theater near you in 2022 with Apple. There is also, of course, the Bloomberg report about Apple entering the payment space with uh, an app which would basically supplant Block Square, which is the little device that, that d relies on the iPhone in order for, for small businesses, merchants to use, Karen. Um, obviously, that would be a concern to Block, still getting used to saying that, but it could be a great thing for Apple. <laughs> right. It could, right? The dongle, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. And so the dongle itself isn't really, that's, you know, that's the, that's the razor. And all of the software services that go along with it, payments and all of the th things they do to help small businesses, that's the razor blade. So it's, that's the part that Apple wants to get. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Block should be down, uh, just a terrible pun, chipped a little bit on the Block because I think this, this is a potential threat. And that's a, I mean, that's a fantastic business for them, for, for, for Block. And it could be for Apple as well. So I'd be a little concerned. I mean, this goes to the reason why I bring that up, Guy, obviously, is, is Dan's point. What is it priced for in terms of the growth? But what are the other potential growth areas that Apple may not already be in and may get into fairly easily that could move the needle? And that's what people are banking on, right? Right. That's why they're now trading as a value stock. They're trading with a growth multiple, which is something we've talked about for a while, maybe justifiably so. And in terms of potentially the existential risk to Square or Block or SQ, because I have trouble remembering things, you got to think to yourself, maybe it's priced in. I mean, this was a $290 stock not so long ago, now trading $105. And, you know, we talked about this years ago that maybe it made sense for Apple to buy Square. Well, that ship has sailed. But I think in terms of what it means for SQ, the stock, I think it's priced in. All that said, and I hear what Dan is saying, you know, probably fade this rally. I don't know. I'm not convinced. I've seen this mo mu movie enough times to understand that off quarters like this, there's going to be some more momentum to the upside. All right. Much more to come. The conference calls 11 minutes in. The stock is up by a little bit more than 4% right now. Let's get to Robinhood, though. Uh, shares are dropping after reporting earnings. The call kicked off just moments ago. Let's get to Kate Rooney with more. What a decline that we've seen, Kate. Hey, Melissa, that's right. Robin had reporting a wider loss on earnings and Wall Street had expected lower than expected guidance and a slowdown in users for the quarter. Shares plummeting after hours down as much as 15 percent. It looks like they've recovered a bit here, down more than 10 percent. First quarter guidance, though, that was the big disappointment. Robinhood 
expecting revenue to be below $340 million. That was a miss by more than $100 million. Monthly active users did fall from the third quarter, although total users pretty much flat from the prior quarter. Q4 revenue, total revenue, was a a slight beat. More than 72% of that top line number. It's still coming from transactions. Options making up by far the biggest chunk there at $163 million. Equities, about a third of that, followed by crypto. Average revenue per user, also down about 39% from a year ago. But if you think about this quarter last year, tough comparison. It was the height of the GameStop saga back in January. Call, like you said, still going on. I did speak to CFO Jason Warnick about the quarter, though. He talked about growth and the plans going forward. They do plan to roll out tax advantage accounts and retirement accounts. That's looking like mid-year. He said they're setting aggressive targets for taking the crypto business international. That should also happen by the end of this year. Wallets as well. That's expected to roll out this quarter. About 2 million people on the wait list, he says. Trading has been slower this quarter compared to the end of last year. He did say in the last couple of days, though, it's been picking up amid some of the volatility, but it's hard to predict this business. He still says uh, the overall market trading volumes really tend to define revenue. He said they move in tandem with those. It makes it a little bit unpredictable. I did ask him about some of the M&A rumors recently as the stock gets hit. He says they have been hit with that rotation out of growth, though they do remain incredibly optimistic about the road ahead. Uh, He says Robinhood does plan to stand as a standalone company going forward. And another quick highlight from the call just now, CEO Vlad Tenev saying that they have a new partner. They have a new market maker on the crypto side that should improve the economics and they should benefit from rising interest rates on uh, their cash accounts. Anyway, so it's stock really getting hit here, down 11% after hours. Melissa. Yeah, sh- should be an interesting call, Kate. Keep us posted. Thanks, Kate Rooney. Um, the guidance, Kate mentioned the huge miss, $100 million miss on the revenue guide for first quarter. Just to put it into perspective, the $340 million, which they're projecting to make, is still below even the lowest estimate on the street for its first quarter revenues. And there are sell ratings. So it is even below the sell rating estimate for first quarter revenues on the street. Brian Kelly, can they say anything on this call to turn this around? Oh, I don't know. I mean, listen, I'm shocked, shocked that you'd stop stuffing people's bank accounts with stimulus checks and the average uh, NASDAQ stock or 50% of the NASDAQ stocks are down 50% that they missed. Of course, I'm being a bit facetious there, but this was one of those stocks that fully benefited from all types of government stimulus. And I can't imagine that they're going to say anything on the call that is going to change anybody's mind. And if you're those analysts who already had a sell rating on it, this is worse than you expected. I can't imagine you're going to wake up tomorrow and go, hey, this is a buy. So for me, you know, you can have it. It's all yours. There are a lot of stocks out there that are, I don't want to say a lot, that are sort of in the same boat in terms of huge declines, Dan. Um, maybe the best, you know, could be perceived to be behind them. Uh, you know, could what, what outcomes do you see for Robinhood? What potentials? Does it go it alone? Even, you know, Kate said that they say that they're going to go it alone. That's their intention. But can they go it alone? Should they have a partner? Are there partners out there for Robinhood? Well, I, I mean, listen, you know, and just, you know, BK, the saying is have at it. It's not have it. It's have at it. Okay. Have a ball. So, is that what it is? Have a ball. Have a ball. <laughs> Let's be very clear about that. I mean, listen, 
this was a disgusting quarter and guy. There's no there's no other way to put it. And if you look at the revenue last year, one point eight billion dollars and the fact that they lost nearly three point seven billion in net income. You know, my friend Danny Moses just said this to me when the numbers were coming out. If this company can't execute well in the best bull market we've seen in 20 years, how are they going to do in a bear market? You know, and when you think about just when that stock started gapping down after it went public, after the results, the reliance on crypto was way too much. We were highlighting at the time the reliance on YOLO calls uh, in the options market was a great deal. It's just not a real serious financial platform, in my opinion. And we get to look at a lot of different ones. We interact with a lot of different ones. They gamified the stock market like bk said they had people who couldn't work they had no sports to, to bet on and that sort of thing and they had cash in their bank accounts and that was what happened here and that's it and so your question is yeah can they go to loan of course they can they can't continue to lose money the way they do because there's a lot of companies that offer much better services than they do that make a lot of money and they have the scale and they don't have the churn and they don't have the the i guess the um, the issues with the management and the trustworthiness i saw you tweeted something out mel that vlad like a year to the day tweeted out some new customer service bill of rights or something like that it's a year too late yeah i mean that was pretty shocking that it came so late after they restricted selling um buying excuse me karen does this make the e-trades of the world look like they have a much stronger moat a year ago we were postulating about the competitive nature that robin hood um could bring to the game in terms of changing the game i mean they did but here it is floundering. Yeah, definitely floundering. And I mean, you know, fintech obviously has gotten hit. They've gotten hit even harder. And uh, the growth multiples coming in. The growth multiple absolutely should be coming in here because they're not growing, right? We saw, you know, they're not growing the way people expected them to grow. So if you think about Morgan Stanley and what they've done and uh, Charles Schwab, and you th I mean, those are much better businesses that they bought at a fraction of the multiples that a Robinhood's trading at. And so, you know, it's interesting to me, I just looked at Coinbase, which is down, I think, maybe a buck only. Um, Coinbase obviously has had a very tough go of it. But, you know, we talked about in a month, a month or so ago about would you rather be in Coinbase or Robinhood? And, uh, you know, th this quarter is horrific. It's uh, and and it's only January, whatever. 27th or 8th. Um, I don't know how, when that, you know, they made that guidance. Maybe they just came up with it last night or today. I don't know. But I don't know that things are getting much better. And uh, I, it should be cheap and it will trade down and it should trade down. I wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't short it either, but it's a no touch. All right. Um, again, the conference calls about 18 minutes in. Straight ahead, much more on Robinhood. Tomorrow marks the one-year anniversary since the company restricted trading on several popular retail stocks. We're going to hear from one retail trader who was just awarded nearly $30,000 because of this fallout. But first, we're all over the after-hours move, and Visa shares jumping on the back of earnings. That conference call is underway. We will bring you the details next. Fast Money's back in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Visa. Shares are up almost 5% in after hours trade. Let's get back to Kate Rooney with the details. Kate. Hey, Melissa. Visa with a beat across the board, topping $7 billion in revenue for the first time ever. The stock is getting a boost here after hours. 
Like you said, up almost 5% at this point, 4.8%. That record revenue number was up 24% from a year ago. We had total payments volume also up about 20% year over year. One of the big drivers, guys, cross-border payments. That was big. Cross-border volume, uh, excluding that intra-Europe number, was up 51%. Total cross-border up 40%. And these are the more lucrative transactions for the card companies and really had been hit hard during the pandemic as borders were closed. Calls still going on right now, but CEO Al Kelly talking about the growth in e-commerce helping the quarter, that better cross-border number and recovery there, and says that they don't believe the current surge in the pandemic will curtail the recovery. And as economies around the world continue to improve, that cross-border number uh, should tick up as well. Kelly also just announcing some news with Affirm. He says Affirm has chosen Visa as their network partner for the Affirm debit card, as well as renewing the virtual card business. And a headline here on crypto, they've got 65 crypto partners at this point, and a number on the payment volume as well. That was $2.5 billion in the quarter. I've got to read it from my phone here. I was taking notes during the call. But $2.5 billion in payment volume, that was 70% of total payment volume for the quarter. They did $3.5 billion total, to put it in perspective. But call's still going on. We'll give you any updates as they come. Melissa, back to you. Kate, thanks. Kate Rooney. We also, of course, got the picture from MasterCard. Also emphasized during the MasterCard earnings call was cross-border and the volume uptick that it saw year on year. Um, Guy, what do you make? What's the picture here that we're getting from these uh, transaction processors? You throw American Express in, obviously not the same type of company, but you get it. And it sort of paints a really good picture in terms of, I say it all the time, never underestimate the consumers want to spend. They'll do it. And by the way, just throw process transactions in at up 21 percent. Now look at the stock down basically 20 percent from that all time high we made, I think, last summer, 252 down to 200. You can do that math, as can I. And it makes for a logical place to stop. I mean, you can make a case on valuation, I think, for the first time in a long time for Visa, close to 27 times next year's numbers with the earning growth they have. I think you buy the stock here. Mm -hmm. Uh, The valuations are richer than apples, Karen. Where would you rather be? Oh, I guess Apple, because I do own Apple, but, you know, it's a different type of business. Uh, You have that hardware, software, multiple question at Apple. You don't here. You have just this fee over and over and over billions of times. I mean, this is great. I think the bigger picture that Guy's talking about, American Express, great, Visa, great, MasterCard, great, Apple Spend, great. So maybe, you know, our fears of the consumer, as Guy always says, are overblown. And the consumers, they're there. They're ready to spend. Yeah. Dan? Yeah, I mean, I'm, am I playing Would You Rather here, Mel? Is that what is that what I'm doing? Um, you can you know, play whatever got, you want. I'll let you do that. No, no, I, that I, tonight. You, know, <laughs> you know, Karen had a little game. I'm just wondering. Okay, so I'd rather Apple here. Guy said something. I don't think he he, he characterized my statements about Apple. Um, I don't say I wouldn't fade it here. If anything, you know, it's showing really good relative strength. So if the broad market is likely to come in, it's going to come in. I don't think it gets worse than the market does. So I'd much rather be an Apple. And from a valuation standpoint, I think they're much less subject to the sorts of whims or some of the issues you know kate just said cross-border payments who knows there's a whole bunch of geopolitical stuff maybe long haul uh, business travel never comes back you know stuff like that so i think apple is a safer bet here and i think they have more levers to pull if i think about 2022 and what might be a spotty economic environment globally 
All right, let's get to the after-hours action that we're watching in shares of Western Digital. That stock is down on earnings. Weak guidance overshadowing uh, the strong results. Shares are now down by about 9%. Brian Kelly, what do you make of this? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think this is going to be the market that we're in, right? So you have to perform in this market. And if you don't, you're going to get taken out, out back to the back of the shed. And that not only has to do with individual companies, but as you're, as you're looking at your portfolio, you have to be in the right names. Otherwise, you're going to get killed. Now, this paints a different picture than everything else we've been talking about. We've been talking about a strong consumer. We've been talking about the demand still being there. Maybe Western Dig is that outlier. I'm not willing to say that it's going to have a have the uh, extrapolated to the bigger economy because when I look at all of these other points we've talked about on this show, it seems okay. So stay away from Western Dig. Sticks with the ones that are working. All right. Well, we were just talking about MasterCard. Of course, it reported an earnings beat this morning. Jim Cramer is breaking down the results in today's Investing Club newsletter. You can sign up now by scanning the QR code on your screen, which you'll see in just moments. Coming up, where to put your money? We're hitting the charts and breaking down some key levels in the market. One top technician brings us two stocks to have on your watch list. Plus, what worked and what did not today. Blackstone bumping into the green. Teradyne tanking. We'll bring you the details. Do not go anywhere. Much more fast right after this. More details from Apple's call. Let's get back to Julia Borson. Julia. Yes, I'm just listening to the Apple earnings call right now. We're getting some more commentary on Tim Cook from Tim Cook and Apple CFO on guidance. They say they expect solid year-over-year revenue growth um, despite significant supply constraints, which we estimate to be less than what we experienced during the December quarter. But we expect our revenue growth rate to decelerate from the December quarter, primarily due to two factors. During the March quarter a year ago, we grew by 54%. And they say, remember, we launched our new iPhones during the December quarter, while this year we launched them during the September quarter. They also, uh, he did say they do feel good about the momentum of the iPhone, but they did note they expect foreign exchange to have a negative impact on growth and services. They expect to grow strong double digits, but do expect those that services growth to be decelerating from December performance. And that, of course, is because a higher level of loss lockdowns led to increased usage of those services. Melissa, we do see the stock now of about 3%. I'm going to continue to listen to Tim Cook on the call. Back over to you. So just to get this straight, Julia, this is a deceleration quarter on quarter, correct? From the March quarter, from the December quarter. Okay, got it. Keep us posted, Julia. Thank you, Julia Borston. Um, Tim Cook was talking about a couple of sort of technical issues in terms of when they launched things as as one reason. But there's also a seasonal aspect to this, I would imagine, Karen. Typically, first quarter is is not calendar year. First quarter is not a strong one Mm -hmm. compared to calendar year fourth quarter. Right. Also, I mean, this quarter ended December 25th. That does Mm -hmm. leave one still pretty one or two pretty good weeks of uh, after Christmas to be in this current quarter. But I don't think I like you're saying, I don't I don't think this changes the story at all. Yeah. Okay. Uh, The stock is still up by about 3%. We'll keep you posted on this call if anything else comes out. Uh, Tech pulling back again today, as you know, and if you caught the show a few weeks ago, you heard this. When you look at where this can rally to, 390 is a big level. I would be a little careful here. I would be more prudent. I'd be taking some off the table as triple Q's rallied into that big level around 390 because the internal complexion of this market is just not as technically sound uh, anymore. 
That was Fast Money friend Chris Verone raising the red flag on the tech trade just over two weeks ago. The QQQ ETF dropping more than 11 percent in that time frame. And now he has got a new call on the market as well as some opportunity play. So let's go off the charts with Chris, who joins us from Strategus, a Baird company. Chris, what are you watching? Hey, Melissa. Yeah, listen, I think we just have to put in context, you know, what we've seen, not just over the last two or three weeks, but remember the triple Qs peaked on November 22nd, uh, high to low. We've had about an 18% drawdown. That's a big move. We've taken the S&P down about 12. So when we look for good oversold conditions or tactical lows, we're really on guard for two things to develop. So if you bring up our first chart here, we're showing you put call ratios. We look for stress in sentiment. And we've seen that develop here over the last several days. We've had now three sessions where put call ratios have been in at least the 95th percentile of the historical data set. So we have some stress in options. We also look for stress in price. Uh, our next slide here is just showing the percent of uh, S&P stocks making a new one month low. When you start getting you know, 60, 70, 80% of the S&P making a one month low on the same day, right? That's that flush internally that tends to present itself at or near some type of a tactical bottom. So we have stress in options, we have stress in sentiment. And then I think really importantly here, note how the character of this correction has simply been different than anything we've seen over the last 12, 13 years, right? This is the first 10% correction where where bond yields have actually gone up, not down. That is a meaningful shift. And where I think that's manifesting itself is through leadership. I thought Dan said something so important earlier. He said, in markets like this, focus on where the emerging relative leadership is. Well, we brought along two names to try and do just that. One in the machinery group. Parker Hannafin has quietly been improving throughout this entire corrective phase. We just made six-month relative highs. Parker Hannafin has not broken below uh, its December lows. Machinery, I think China easing there probably helps as well. Those names, that whole group really turning up. Uh, and then second, look at some of these insurance stocks. Here's Aflac uh, coming out of a big base. Another name that you wouldn't really expect to be a leader in a correction has started to show some really great relative strength. There's great support, 58 to 60. I'd be a buyer of any weakness there. Insurance is leadership globally. Get some exposure domestically. All right, Chris, always great to see you. Thank you. Chris Verone of Strategus, a Baird company. Guy Dami, I don't know why you're chuckling if you're thinking about the duck as it relates to <laughs> Aflac, or I don't know what crosses through that mind of yours. It's hard to tell sometimes, but very. you know, Chris mentioned internal flush, and you know, I was saying to myself, I'm very familiar with that, unfortunately. But I don't want to get into <laughs> that on this Thursday because why should we? What I will say though, Mel, because I know you pay attention, it's the cheapest thing you can do. We've been saying for a while. Uh, that if rates are going to go higher, the insurers will go higher. And oh, by the way, Jeffries initiated a bunch of insurers yesterday. Aflac being one of them, I think was a neutral, but MetLife, a name we've talked about for a while, I think they have a 13% more upside in that name. And that's a stock that continues to make new all-time highs. So if you think rates are going higher, like I do, I think you stay with the insurers. Well done, Chris Verone. Would you take BK, either Aflac or PH? Oh, would you rather? So I would pick Aflac and for exactly the reasons that guy mentioned. You think about what their business is. They're betting that you're not going to get hurt 
and they're taking your money and investing it in bonds. So if they get a higher yield, they're going to make more money. That's as simple as that play is. You know, when it comes to Parker Hannafin, I think it's interesting, and I like the exposure to China because China is kind of easing. So there may be kind of a tailwind there. But in this environment, until I see yields come down, you want to stick with the plays that are going to that are kind of higher yield friendly, and that would be the Aflac. Dan. Yeah, so Chris Verone said something really important. He said, Dan Nathan said something really important. And what he said was, very specifically, or what I said was, is that relative strength is really important, okay? And so then what do I also look for in a market like this? So we had good fundamental news in Bank America. They had good results. A lot of their peers did not. The stock has actually shown good relative strength. It's kind of cheap. It's had some good fundamental news here. And you know what's really interesting also? Guy thinks rates are going higher. Well, the two-year did go higher. The 10-year the went lower. So we have a flattening yield curve. And the stock didn't get killed today, too. So you know, I, I like what he's saying about Aflac. It's already made its move. I would look for a Bank America to maybe, if we have a market that stabilizes, get back to that prior high near 50 bucks. All right. Coming up, a Blackstone's big day. The stock soaring on blowout numbers. We'll break down that trade in later. The retail revolution tomorrow marking a big milestone for Robinhood and the markets. We'll talk to one retail trader who took on the trading platform and won. The details next. Get your trades to go with the Fast Money Podcast. Catch us anytime, anywhere. Follow today on your favorite podcasting app. We're back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Blackstone topping the tape on a strong earnings beat as well as record cash flows. CEO and co-founder Stephen Schwartzman calling it the most remarkable results in our history. The stock was up 6.8%. Guy, you've been on this one for I don't know how long. Yeah, but let me tell you something. Chris Verone said Dan said something really smart. So I'll say that Dan said something really smart. And I didn't think it was going to happen. But he's been saying for a while that Blackstone will trade down to 100 bucks. Well, it got down to 101.65, if memory serves, on January 24th. And as I like to say, close enough for government work. But this quarter was remarkable. He is right. By the way, total assets under management approaching $1 trillion. I think they're up 42%. Year over year, it's stupid what they're doing there. And when I say stupid, I mean that in the most best way possible. So I love Blackstone. I liked it for a while. I'm shocked that it got as low as it did, but I think it goes significantly higher from here. This must be Dan's night. I have to say that. Uh, coming up, a modern day David versus Goliath. You'll hear from the retail trader who was just awarded nearly $30,000 from Robinhood after it restricted some of his trades last year. Could this be the tip of the iceberg for Robinhood with more payouts to come? And later, you're going to want to listen up. Options traders are tuning in to Sirius XM. More on that trade ahead. Fast Money's back in two. Let's get a check on Robinhood tumbling after its latest earnings report. The stock is down 12% after hours. The company front and center in our week-long series on the retail trader revolution. Tomorrow, marking an important milestone in this whole story. It will be exactly one year ago that Robinhood restricted trading in a handful of highly shorted, volatile, popular retail stocks like GameStop. The move sparking outrage. Robinhood CEO Vlad Tenev doing some damage control one year ago on this show. There's a lot of volatility and a lot of concentrated activity in, uh, in these names that have been going viral on social media. So we're really in unprecedented times. And 
in order to protect the firm and protect our customers, um, we had to limit buying in these in these stocks. One retail trader took the online broker to task for that decision to turn off the buy button. His efforts paid off. He was just awarded nearly $30,000. Joining us now is Jose Batista, as well as his lawyer, August Iorio, of securities arbitration firm Iorio Altamarino. Gentlemen, great to have you with us. Jose, I will start off with you. You know, we talk about AMC and GameStop a lot. Specifically, this complaint dealt with your holdings in costs as well as express, and it alleged significant losses Explain to us how you missed out, how you suffered these losses. Hey, thank you for having me, Melissa. Uh, so the day before the restrictions took place, I made a, a good, successful trade on cost for over twenty thousand dollars. And the next day, I was gonna—I bought back into cost, and I was gonna uh, make another trade on the next day. But then, when I put in the sell order, I noticed the restriction, and the price of the stock just plummeted down. So basically, you could have made money. You couldn't sell it the next day. So ultimately, what happened to that trade? I canceled that. I wasn't able to um, make that sale. So did you ever sell it? Yeah, I sold it uh, for, for way less than what I was going to be able to sell it. Are you still trading, Jose? Um, at the moment, uh, I started a little bit trading, but I took a break after all that to kind of get my life back together and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and are you trading on Robinhood? No, um, I'm currently trading on Webull. Yeah, okay. August, um, you know, I know that these sorts of arbitrations don't necessarily set precedent. That's not what they're meant to do. At the same time, a lot of retail traders are going to be looking at this. They were in Jose's situation or similar one, and they're thinking, maybe I can do this too. What do you tell people like that? Yeah, thank you, Melissa, and thank you for having Jose and, Jose and I on your show. Um, our firm's been contacted by um, individuals all over the country. They come from a diverse background, teachers, day traders, students, engineers, um, and they were all blindsided um, by Robinhood's decision to restrict trading, and they were all harmed that morning. Um, we, we would tell those individuals that, you know, they should contact the securities arbitration attorney like our firm to review their legal rights, arbitration as, as different rules, each case is heard on its own merits, and we would encourage everyone to get a consultation to see if that's the best path forward for them. August, are you surprised that there haven't been more uh, complaints or lawsuits concerning the restriction of trading that happened a year ago tomorrow? You know, I'm not, and it's because there's been a narrative in our area of practice where online broker dealers, firms like Robinhood or TD Ameritrade or Schwab, they often get a pass because they, arbitrators and individuals in our industry believe that they can essentially do what they, they, they want to do. Um, we believe that that narrative needs to be changed. These firms like Robinhood, uh, other fintech firms, and even crypto exchange currencies, they need to be held responsible and accountable when they, don't, when they fail to act in a commercially reasonable manner. All right. Um, Jose, we hope you'll continue trading. We don't want to lose people who are invested in the stock market. So best of luck to you. We appreciate you joining you. us. And thank, thank you, you, August. By thank the way, we, re we reached out to Robinhood and it said that they have no further comment on this case. Obviously, $30,000, not going to break the bank for Robinhood, even with these dismal, dismal earnings. But at the same time, this could cause these firms to take notice, Karen, if, if there are more people who are awarded claims, damages. 
You would have to think, I mean, how many people were in that same situation that same time? I don't know if they're doing all of these one-off or what. I also don't know if they're insured for that. I'm not mm -hmm. really sure. I think that's, they seem to have other very large problems right now. Right now, the issue is simply uh, the stock, which is in free fall, basically. Um, but this sort of highlights this sort of existential risk to this business model. It's not just the volatility of not knowing where the volumes are going to come from next, but it's also the payment for order flow issue, the issue of, of traders like Jose not going back to Robinhood after this experience guy. Um, there are all sorts of other things that may hang over Robinhood shares. No, no question about it. And we had JB on earlier in the show. She was talking about it. One of the things Robinhood highlighted as a potential positive was the fact that interest rates were going higher. So that should help. That's like Disney coming out and saying they're more putting more hippos on the Jungle Cruise ride to hopefully get more people to join it. I mean, it's preposterous, Melissa Lee. I mean, if that's what straws they're clutching at, they got to start drawing from new straws. I'll say this in terms of Robinhood, and you know what I've said for a while. The only thing innovative about the company was the hair and the name. Well, they're going to trade north of 100 million shares tomorrow. They typically trade 16. Tomorrow might be your capitulation day with all the bad news finally out in the name. Yeah. Um, by the way, Brian Sullivan tweeted, if you put $5,000 into Hood at the August top, you'd have $600 now. That's how far the stock has fallen. Uh, coming up, are serious shares set to snap options markets? Seriously troubled about this one. The trade ahead of the upcoming earnings next. Check out SiriusXM finishing in the green today. This name reports earnings before the bell on Tuesday, and options traders are betting it could be headed for serious trouble. Mike has the action. Mike. Hi there. Yeah, so Siri right now is implying a move of about 10% by the end of next week after they report earnings. That's considerably more than the 3 to 4% or so that the company has averaged over the course of the last eight quarters. It traded 17 times its average daily put volume today. That was the result of a large purchase of the February 4th expiration six strike puts. We saw 23,300 of those trading for about 20 cents. Buyers of those puts are obviously betting that the stock is gonna fall below that $6 strike price next week after they report by at least the 20 cents that they paid, which suggests that they believe that that implied move could be to the downside. All right, thanks for that, Mike Coe. For more Options Action, full show tomorrow, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, Apple shares hitting after-hours session highs just moments ago. Let's get back to Julia Borston. Julia. Tim Cook repeatedly reiterating on the earnings call that is underway right now that the supply chain constraints are going to be improving in the March quarter. He was asked about whether Apple's rethinking its supply chain strategy, and he said, I think our supply chain actually does very good considering the shortages. It's a fast-moving supply chain. The cycle times are very short. There's very little distance between a chip being fabricated and packaged and the product going out. So some enthusiasm there about the potential uh, for that supply chain, those supply chain issues to moderate in this March quarter. And you see shares are now up about 5%, Melissa. All right, Julia Borson, thanks for keeping us posted. Up next, Final Trades. So watching shares of Robinhood, which are down a, a stable, <laughs> Stable 12% because it's been down 12% pretty much uh, all after our session long. By the way, in the earnings deck, if you haven't looked at it yet, this is something interesting. Robinhood, in the context of its losses, uses the color green. 
So when they talk about profits, they use the color green on their bar charts. When they talk about losses, they use the color dark green. We're watching you, Robinhood. <laughs> the stock is down 12%. Let's go for the final trades around the horn. Brian Kelly. Yeah, I'm going to say something really important. Apple, have at it. <laughs> Karen. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how it ended up being a secret Dan Appreciation Day, but Dan said something else smart. <laughs> Bank of America, they are actually very short rate sensitive, so they're not, so this is good for them. So Bank of America is my final trade. Dan. Yeah, here's another smart little pearl here. Uh, Snapchat is down nearly 40% <laughs> this year, this year, 2022, down 66% from its all-time highs in October. I think you start picking at this one. Guy. MPC, sister, going higher into earnings. Thanks for watching Fast Money. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts now.